Hello and welcome into the Fire Me Up podcast. Uh, we are on episode 13 here of the revived Fire Me Up podcast. Um, I'm your host, Drew Matthews. We've got uh, your co-host, Ben Brownlee, here recording live uh, from the Music City and then Denver, Colorado. Um, ben, how are you doing tonight? We got a drink of the week? Yes, we do. I'm doing real well. Uh, you know, another great Tuesday evening of recording Fire Me Up. I'm sipping on some uh, Colette Farmhouse Ale from the Great Divide Brewing Company locally here uh, brewing in Denver. Nice, nice. I am drinking a a Barstool transfusion mix. Um, oh, Yeah, I've yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've recently started uh, started drinking these. Um, it is Deep Eddy Vodka, so I take some Deep Eddy Vodka. I mix it with um, the transfusion mix that they sell in these little cans at the uh, liquor store, and it's basically ginger ale and some, like, uh, you know, grape grape drink, I would say, I guess. Um, but it is very tasty. It's a good summer like drink. A fruity Moscow Mule. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a, it's a good uh, it's a good outdoor drink, good summer drink. Um, I know today's the first first official day of fall, but um, these 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 are pretty good. So, um, yeah, barstool trans. Yeah, you gotta soak up the, soak up the uh, warm weather while it's still here, and uh, you know, enjoy uh, enjoy alcohol any way you can. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. Well, welcome in to episode 13 of Fire Me Up. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. We do not have a special guest this week. Um, we have found these past couple weeks we've had so much to talk about. We just um, did not have time to squeeze in a, a special guest. And, um, you know, we just have so much to cover. So many sports going on at once. Um, we probably won't even be able to fit them all into this this podcast. But we have a, have a good show for you. We're excited. I'm sure we're going to have hot takes. That's what this show's about, hot takes. Uh, we might get testy with each other. Um, no facts. <laughs> yeah, little to no facts, uh, but you can blame that one on the interns. Um, so Maybe the occasional score update about <laughs> uh, the factual we get. Yeah, yeah, uh, score update, Brownlee. Um, love, love to see it. Um, so let's dive right in. Uh, let's start with the NFL, America's favorite sport. Um, you know, maybe not America's pastime, but definitely uh, front. <laughs> Front and center. Maybe not the future either, but definitely. <laughs> yeah, brain brain injuries. What? What about? That? Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> so so let's start. Let's start with last night. Actually, I'm gonna switch it up here. Let's start with last night. Uh, Monday night football. Um, we had a great matchup between the Saints and the Raiders. Um, the Raiders ended up running away with that one. Uh, it was, I believe, it was tied going into halftime. Um, I think it was 14-14 or 17-17. I can't remember. Um, one too many brews, I guess. Um, but, uh, the, the saints did not look good in the second half. Uh, the Raiders looked pretty consistent the whole game, which was, which was interesting to see. Uh, Josh Jacobs looked very good. Um, I think he's kind of the breakout star of that team this year so far. Um, Henry Ruggs, their new wide receiver that they drafted, uh, did not have a great game in my opinion. Um, but I know he's been, uh, kind of, kind of nursing some sort of, uh, lower leg injury. Um, and then, uh, really, the the story as usual is in the losing locker room uh, with the Saints. I think Drew Drew Brees kind of had a kind of a rough night, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if you were able to catch the whole game, but he he did not look great. He he looked like he belonged in the booth rather than down on the field. Um, so so Brownlee, what are your thoughts? Are you buying buying or selling stock with the the Saints moving forward after that brutal loss? You know, I'm buying stock, and it's just because I'm going with my gut here, sticking to my initial production or projection of the Saints making the Super Bowl, representing the NFC in that game. 
Uh, you know, I think this is week two. I think we're early here. They beat the Buccaneers last week, who, by the way, looked, I think, pretty good this past week. Um, so I still think they're a good team. Um, but definitely impressed with the Raiders. That one I did not see coming. Yeah, no. I, uh, I, I've been very impressed with the Raiders, too. They did not look great last year. <clears throat> um, but I think I think they've really beefed up, up beefed up that offense. I know people criticize them a lot for getting rid of um, uh, Khalil Mack. That, that's who they got rid of, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that definitely was kind of a, seemed like a boneheaded move at the time. But, uh, you know, John Gruden, he wants to build the team his way. Um, everyone thought he was going to get rid of Carr. It's not looking like maybe he's not going to anymore. Um, since they maybe he's made all the he's cut all the ties of people he was planning on getting rid of. But um, yeah, I mean, I think last season was the time to buy stock in the Raiders when they were dumping all their uh, assets for draft picks. And uh, you know, now maybe the time to buy stock in the Saints when they're looking a little looking a little rough. But you know, they're a veteran team, and I think they're going to pull through. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I think the Saints will be okay. I think I think they'll bounce back. But. I'm starting to I'm starting to buy stock in the Raiders. To be honest, they they kind of remind me of um, the Tennessee Titans uh, last year and and this year so far. Just you know they've got decent quarterback play, nothing special, nothing amazing. I mean we've seen Derek Carr do some amazing things a few few years ago, uh, but not a whole lot since then. And then they've also got Mariota on the bench, uh, which is exactly what Tennessee had last year. Um, and then they've got a good running back. Um, Maybe not a great. I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can start hyping up a team based on their backup quarterback. So uh, let's let's not get too excited about <laughs> your you know favorite backup quarterback in the league, Marcus Mariota. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, I am biased. I do like Mariota, but I, I'm just uh, I'm trying to pull the similarities here between the the Titans of 2019 and the and the Raiders of 2020. I think the teams are built pretty similarly, so I'm excited to see what happens. I'm buying stock in the Raiders. I'm not I'm not selling my stock in the Saints just yet. Uh, but it but it was a rough outing in a game I expected the Saints to win uh, by by a touchdown maybe more, um, so so um, you know we'll see what happens there with the the Raiders and the Saints. Um, let's, let's let's move on to your favorite team. Yeah, let, let's move Not it back. Sunday night. Yeah, we had an absolute thriller in Sunday night football uh, between Russell Wilson, the Seahawks, and Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. Um, not exactly a classic matchup between quarterbacks. I know they faced off uh, before, uh, but as far as teams go, it, it's kind of kind of brings back memories to the, um, I believe it was Super Bowl Forty Nine between um, the Patriots and the Seahawks. That was a huge game. Um, you know, I'll start with the with the winning team, and um, I'll go to you with, with some more. But I, you know, Russell Wilson looked just borderline unstoppable. Um, he had five total touchdowns. You did have one interception, but to be fair. Um, you know, in my opinion, that was the receiver's fault. You know, he should have caught that, and he bobbled it, and ended up for ended up being a pick. But um, Russell Wilson looked unstoppable, and I am so excited that they are finally let, letting him have the reins of this offense. The only thing that troubled me with the Seahawks was their uh, lack of de- defense. Um, you know, the defense did not look great. Cam Newton put up a lot of points. Uh, the Patriots. I mean, Cam Newton's a tough guy to stop. So you know, I, honestly, I almost had more problem with the Seahawks in their week one win over the Falcons than I did in this game when they won, when they beat the Patriots. Um, I think that the Seahawks are a great team. I agree with you. I think Russell Wilson did look borderline unstoppable. I mean, there were several times when he was just scrambling around in the backfield, looked like he was running for his life. And then all of a sudden the ball just zips, zips out of his hands, you know, 50 yards down the field, right in the lap of the receiver, you know, for a, a touchdown. Um, and there were several of those in the game, so I agree with you. I mean, it was it was 
dang impressive. He was really fun to watch on Sunday night. Yeah, yeah. I uh, obviously I'm with you there. I'm, um, you know, I may be a little bit too critical of the Seahawks defense. You're right. Um, to be fair, it, it is week two. Uh, we didn't really have, you know, we didn't have any preseason games. We had a very shortened training camp. Um, and they did give up lots of big plays. And, you know, I'll give all the credit to the world of Cam Newton. He looked great in the second game. Uh, I think I'm buying stock in the Patriots kind of moving forward. I know they lost the game. And it, it ended up coming down to the last play of the game. Um, and Cam Newton got stuffed um, by, by a great play that Bobby Wagner actually made to kind of blow up blow up that play. Um, yeah, I've seen some criticism on the play calling on that last play, and I did not understand or agree with it. It's like, come on, he scored on that play several times throughout the game. I think it was the right call because you got Cam Newton. I mean, having him sort of make a little, uh, get, you know, put the ball in his hands, have him make a read, and trust that he's going to make the right play is your best odds uh, if you're the Patriots. And if you're the Seahawks, you just got to give credit where credit is due to Bobby Wagner. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I don't think, uh, I mean, th- I think that's the right play call. I mean, you've seen it, you know, it's on highlight reels for years now. Um, you know, Cam Newton rushing in or jumping, jumping over folks for a, for a touchdown in the red zone like that. I, you know, I think it was the right call. It just, you know, you don't, you win some and you lose some and it came down to the last play. Certainly seemed like a better play than uh, maybe one that the Patriots uh, or the Seahawks ran in the Super Bowl a couple years ago when they threw the ball. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, fourth down, <laughs> resulted in a catastrophic <laughs> interception. So um, yeah, you know, I, the Seahawks were were on the right side of this play gone wrong, um, but I think it was still a good play. In yeah, place. yeah. No, I mean I could probably spend a whole thirty minute segment on that one, um, but we we won't go we won't get into that uh, for my sanity and maybe yours too. We've got um, some other ranting to do instead tonight. But but uh, as we kind of look at the primetime games, man, I, I was really impressed. I I thoroughly enjoyed watching some of these primetime games. Um, you know, I know there were some duds week one and some some good games week one too, but um, they really hit the nail on the head with the with the scheduling this year on the, at least these first uh, couple weeks of primetime games. I, I enjoyed it for sure. Yeah, I agree. And, and – um... I mean, I think there was also some really great games that weren't primetime games. What was it? Six six games this week came down to the final minute or less. Um, so obviously we had the, the Seahawks-Patriots game and then a good game on Monday night that didn't come down to the last minute. But at the same time, there was just great games all across the board this weekend. Yeah, no, I agree. There, there were some great ones. Uh, particularly the, the Cowboys and the Falcons. Brownlee, I'll let you kind of take the lead on that one since you're your hometown Dallas Cowboys uh <laughs> Uh, so, it, I mean, ended up victors. You know, I, based on the fact that I'm laughing, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to act too much like a homer here, but it was pretty darn entertaining. Not only because the Cowboys were able to pull out the W, but um, just because of the way it happened. I mean, my goodness, the Atlanta Falcons do not cease to entertain. Uh, that is, unless you're a fan of them. But, uh, <laughs> in terms of in terms of blowing games, I mean, holy cow, they. They can. They know how to do that time and time again. I mean, the Cowboys know how to make it difficult, which they did. Excuse me, but the Saints or the the Falcons know how to really blow it. Um, Forty to thirty nine, I think, was the final score on a forty plus yard game winning field goal from the Cowboys kicker Greg Zerline. Um, but I think it was twenty to zero at the end of the first quarter. Falcons lead. I mean, come on. Can you not run the ball for the rest of the game after that when you have Todd Gurley? The yeah. Falcons do not know how to run the ball. Their coach just doesn't seem to realize that that is an option in the playbook. <laughs> 
I, I am 100% there with you, and so I'm going to go on a bit of a Matthews monologue here. Um, oh, for, first of all, I, I, I don't get it either. I said this last week. I really don't understand why Dan Quinn cannot figure out that they have Todd Gurley on the team. They, they don't have to go away from him so quickly anytime they get behind, anytime it's a close game. Todd Gurley is there for a reason to pick up those tough yards. He's capable of doing it. We've all seen it on the Rams. Um, and, and, with, and for the University of Georgia. And for you know, Georgia, he's yeah. He's in his hometown. You'd think the fans would you know, maybe uh, even be able to influence Dan Quinn, but I, maybe he's deaf to them too. Yeah, I think we're on the same same page here. I, I really don't get it. Um, so that, that's my first point of this little this little monologue. My second point is Adele has yet to respond to a text or call from me. Uh, I think he is in, <laughs> he, <laughs> I think he is in, yeah, I, well, well, I think he's in witness protection. He may have moved to Alabama, uh, may, may have renounced the national football league and is just going to be a Alabama crimson tide fan now. Um, or Mississippi, hotty toddy. I mean, you know, we heard him say, all well, that yeah, yeah, ago. yeah. Well, he did spurn them. So I don't know if he's, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if Adele is ready to ready to get back on that bandwagon, but uh, yeah, Adele, uh, if you're listening, we we'd love to have you on the podcast and really do a deep dive as to why um, there's so much coaching malpractice by Dan Quinn. Um, also, well, hang on, hang on. I also wanted to point out. I think that we had talked about Dan Quinn potentially uh, not even being the coach anymore on the last podcast. Well, he's actually still there. Yes. So um, I don't know how we. I don't know how he, uh, you know, thought he was fired. Maybe just because he should have been, but it definitely is looking like he's about to be now. Well, you know, I, uh, I guess I, you could probably just throw in that I predicted it. Maybe I don't know. Um, things are not looking good for the Falcons now. I, I understand they've had some tough matchups, um, but still inexcusable uh, coaching malpractice, especially in that second. Uh, th- this game we're talking about now against the Cowboys, man, you, you gotta start running the ball a little bit more. You gotta establish the run. I know I sound like an old, old timey football coach that wants to run the friggin' wish wishbone or something, but my God, uh, you blew I it. I mean, in- when you're up 20 to zero, the wishbone's probably a better bet than just airing it out every time. <laughs> <day. laughs> yeah. I think Georgia Tech's offensive coordinator could have got that job done. Um, but yeah, so an- another entertaining game. I-, I think, you know, it's a good idea to bring it up, the Cowboys and the Falcons. Um, so Adele, um, you're welcome to join the podcast and take a deep dive into what's going wrong in, in Georgia, or Georgia, as my girlfriend calls it. Um, Honestly, I'll tell you what, Adele, we-, we would love to have you on again, of course, but I don't even think the what's wrong with the Atlanta Falcons requires a deep dive. <laughs> I think it's a little more simple than that. Yeah, so, um, you know, that's enough Falcons talk for now. Uh, I think we've kind of established what they've done incorrectly. Um, one more, one more game I wanted to touch on, um, and that that was the Kansas City Chiefs against the Chargers. So uh, Kansas City ended up having to go into overtime to get the W there. Um, they slept walk in the first half. Um, did you catch any of that game? Because I, I watched a little bit of it, and uh, boy, man, the Chiefs did not look good. They looked. They, they for sure look sloppy on both sides of the ball. Um, and the Chargers are not a good team. Um, if you just go off of what we've seen in week one and even even bits of week two, um, I, I really don't understand. Uh, I don't know if they've got a Super Bowl hangover or, or what. Um, you know, I, I think, honestly, the reason that it was a struggle was just because it's one of those classic division games that it's a, just kind of a trap game. You know, you get the big win over the Texans in week one at home. Uh, everyone's fired up about it. So I don't know if you could call it a Super Bowl hangover because, you know, this is week two now. Um, you know, usually you think that 
if it was a hangover, it would have it would have showed in week one. But um, yeah, I just I just think that they came out not ready to play. You know, thinking, oh yeah, we beat the Texans, we're the Super Bowl champs. We, we you know we can beat anybody easily, and then they realize mid game, oh my gosh, we actually have to, to play to, to beat this team because it, it is an NFL team after all. Um, as sorry as they may be compared to the Chiefs, but because the Chargers are pretty sorry and the Chiefs are pretty darn good, they were able to figure it out and, and pull out the W late. So, you know, I don't think the Chiefs have anything to be concerned about. But at the same time, I think they uh, hopefully, you know, for their sake, learned a lesson that they got to show up. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, well, you know, I, I feel like we've covered this week pretty well in the NFL, hit, hit the big games, hit the exciting finishes. I know there were other games that were played. Um, I did not take in as much um, NFL football uh, this past Sunday as I did the first weekend um, for my sanity. I, I enjoyed the games I watched. I, I truly did. Um, but I wanted to highlight some games um, next weekend, um, three games in particular that I'm excited about. Um, uh, first, uh, the Chiefs and Ravens, a huge AFC matchup on Monday night. Um, Brownlee, l- l- I'll just go ahead and get your picks, and we'll, we'll do my picks as we go through them, uh, these three games, and we'll we'll recap next week. So Chiefs and Ravens, who do you like and why? Well, actually, so I'm trying to look it up here. Who's the uh, home team? Not that that's really going to matter too, too much because of uh, the you know lack of fans, but um, uh, Baltimore. Just because I, I'm thinking, I mean, it, it, that, that's probably it. That's the toughest one. I feel like I got to say Baltimore just because I picked them to win the AFC this year, um, and the Chiefs are coming off a little bit of a slower performance, um, as we just said against the Chargers this week. So I'm going with the Ravens. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, you know, I like the Chiefs. They're obviously a great team. Um, but but I'm kind of hopping on that Ravens bandwagon. I like, I really like some of their offensive players. They've got a good mix of youth and experience, veteran players. I'm going with the Ravens there too. I know it's at home. I don't even know if they'll have fans there, but um, I'll pick the Ravens there. Um, the next game I want to talk about was the, the Packers and Saints. Uh, Drew Brees versus Aaron Rodgers. Kind of a classic um, immobile quarterback duel. <laughs> Um, on Sunday night, um, and I believe the Saints are the home team. Yep, Saints are the home team. You got the two and zero Packers against the one and one Saints. Who do you like there? I mean, you're really putting me on the spot here. Uh, going with the Saints, pick them to win the NFC. I'm picking them to bounce back and beat the Packers this week. Um, you know, if I'm wrong, <laughs> I may have to rethink my uh, conference champions. But <laughs> sticking with my gut here, okay, teams all the way through the pandemic with no fans at all. Yeah, yeah. So I know I said earlier that I wasn't uh, selling my stock in the Saints, but I am going to buy stock in the Packers. Um, I'm going to pick the Packers. Aaron Rodgers has looked great so far. I know it hasn't been against great teams, but um, I'm going to pick the Packers to get a road win in New Orleans. Um, Hopefully Aaron Rodgers' family is able to watch the game. Oh, wait, um, never mind. Um, I forgot. Um, Yeah, so, uh, you know, go Pack Go uh, for that one. Uh, the last game, and I had to mention this, uh, we got a late Sunday night America's Game of the Week. I believe it's on Fox. Um, we got the Cowboys at the Seahawks. Um, I know, you know, we we should do a live stream or something for that because that would be funny. Um, <laughs> yes, it would. Um, I, w- I wish I wish I could fly out there. You could fly out here. Uh, that would be that would be very fun. So we got Cowboys and Seahawks. Um, I'm assuming you're taking the Cowboys. In that one, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of so course. you'll you'll take the Cowboys. I'll take my Seahawks. I think it's going to be a good matchup. I think both teams have loaded offenses. Um, I think it'll be really fun. I think it. You know, I think the winner it'll, it'll come down to whoever can stop the 
the run. I know the Seahawks have kind of gone away from the run, um, but should be a good quarterback duel. And then uh, Ezekiel Elliott might give you guys the edge there in terms of uh, ground produc- production for sure. But uh, I'm excited for that one. Um, so uh, we we are going to move over to an NBA update, Brownlee. Um, we got about uh, 10 minutes left uh, before we hit the break. So uh, let's get an NBA update from Ben Brownlee. Well, first thing I got to say is uh, how about them Nuggets um, pulling off the win over the Clippers in the previous series. They're now playing the LA Lakers, as uh, everyone knows, in the Western Conference Finals. Unfortunately, uh, haven't gotten out to the hottest of starts in the Western Conference Finals. However, that's kind of right where the Nuggets have been in every single series they played in thus far, coming back from 3-1 twice, which is a historic feat, I might add. Uh, First time in history ever that a team has come back from 3-1 two times in the same playoffs. Um, so, again, shout-out to the Nuggets for that. Uh, unfortunate that it's two. They're down 0-2 against the Lakers. Uh, crazy buzzer-beating shot from Anthony Davis in Game 2. Uh, but you know what? I like the Nuggets to bounce back. And, uh, you know, maybe they win Game 3, make it uh, make it 2-1. Maybe they lose Game 4, it's 3-1. Then they come back and make the finals after that. Yeah, to be honest with you, um, I've been kind of unplugged from the NBA outside of watching the Clippers um, lose that series, um, which, you know, I had picked the Clippers to make it to the conference finals, um, I believe, the first time we brought this podcast back, I think. Um, so that's a bad job by me. Um, bad you know, job by you, guy. Yeah, that, that's just really a bad loss. You know, I, I, I don't want to hear any excuses from Doc Rivers saying, oh, you know, you know, we weren't up and ready for that game. How could you not be up and ready for that game? I mean, that's a winner, winner, take all game, and you're not up and ready for it. I, I really don't get it. Uh, so that's well, a, all, not only were they not up and ready for game seven, they weren't up and ready for game six or five for that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know what? Uh, it's a bad job by them. Also, bad job by me for for believing in Doc Rivers and that squad. Um, no, no Clippers title this year. So. Um, but, but I'm excited to see, um, what, what goes forward here with LeBron and the Lakers. I think I'll, uh, be, you know, paying a little bit more closer attention to them. Um, now that I don't really have a dog in the hunt per se. Um, but, uh, no, I'm excited for the NBA. Um, so Brownlee, did you have an NHL update? I, I think you had a brief one here. We've got a little bit of time before we cut to the break. Um, then, uh, you know, we'll talk college football after that. I do. I have an NHL update because I'm a homer. Uh, last week, we knew that the Dallas Stars had made the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, so, yes, they did. They're in it. And playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I think that was what was in question last week, was who was going to be the opponent. That series is now tied 1-1. Um, I have to say, I I mean, I guess I, I shouldn't say I can't believe because I haven't watched much hockey all year, but gosh, these games are on NBC Sports Network. I mean, put the dang Stanley Cup Finals on a real network so I can actually watch without having to, you know, go to NHL streams on Reddit or, you know, go to some sports bar every single night during the week to watch (laughs) my team in the finals. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, you can get the NBC Sports Network. Um, You know, I I believe it comes at a cost. My roommate's got it because he's a big NASCAR fan and it's always on there. Um but, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, prop, props to the NHL for being the first major sport to come back after the pandemic. So, you know, props to them for doing that and taking advantage of that and really having their shit together in terms of uh, being ready to come back. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. 
you know, the the NHL, NHL finals should really be on a major network, a, a CBS, a Fox, an NBC, you know, even... Well, I mean, it's on NBC Sports. They should just put it on regular NBC. I mean, I guess, like, you know, Sunday Night Football, they can't replace uh, that with the finals, but or the, the Stanley Cup finals. But, I mean, just, just put it on another night. I mean, I don't think anybody... There was no game... Um, there was no game on Sunday. It was on Saturday, and and um, it's coming up here again. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, I don't know if any Notre Dame coverage, um, you know, promises come into play there, but they can figure out a day, a time on Saturday to play the game, um, if you ask me. But um, I mean, especially since it's in Edmonton or you know wherever up in Canada, where uh, you know there's no fans. It's not like they're gonna make any fans mad about having like an afternoon game because no one's going to be there anyway just just put it on tv yeah uh, yeah i'm there with you I'm, I'm with you there i'm with you there um you know it, before we head to the break here speaking of fans um i, I saw an article in the tennessee in today uh there were seven titans fans uh, at the game on sunday seven seven total um and they were told to be very loud because there wouldn't wouldn't be you know as many fans there I'm not sure, you know, I'm not really sure what the restriction was. I'm not really sure if that report's true. It's by the Tennessean, which is, you know, the major na- newspaper here in Tennessee and in Nashville. Um, but I don't know how you let seven fans in. Do you think that's going to make a difference? You mean, you might as well tell them to stay home. Um, you know, it's, you know, how much how much revenue could you be generating from that? You know, the noise. I mean, lo- it, was, it, was it the seven cousins of the owner of the team or something? <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I They interviewed a couple for this this article that had gone to the game and I was like, uh, you know, is that, you know, I guess maybe if you're a huge super fan, maybe you'd, you'd want to do it and just look back and say, Oh, Hey, you know, grant, you know, grandkids. I was there when we had a pandemic. I'm a real fan. I, I don't know. Um, the streak continues for, yeah. uh, you know, the Tennesseans, you know, most loyal fan, <laughs> the Tennesseans, um, the Titans. Um, but yeah, no, you know, I, I, I think we'll start to see more um, fans at games, especially as we start the SEC uh, this weekend. And, um, you know, we got some bigger time games coming. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see. I know um, the student section at Florida State was insanely packed. I don't know how they – I don't I, – I was watching that game, not this weekend, but last weekend. And, it, you know, uh, uh, Georgia Tech at Florida State. And, it, you know, I don't know if there were any restrictions. I mean – the thing that I think is funny is I want to say it was even MLS. Uh, so you know we're really going uh, off the rails here with the uh, leagues we're talking about now. Uh, we're bringing in hockey and MLS soccer tonight. Um, but I think it was uh, one of the MLS games. They basically just filled up every other section in the stadium. So you know there was no one in section two eleven, but then two twelve every seat was sold out. And then there was no one in section two thirteen, but two fourteen every seat was sold out. Well Brownley, <laughs> you, you just got a ticket ticket person uh fired. Uh I just got word. <laughs> just got word um that a ticket Did person was fired. That? Yep, yep. Uh I got my interns working double time here, uh feeding me information. Um so you know what I say is always hundred percent true. Um, same goes for Brownlee. Um, well, it's a good thing I didn't call out a specific team or else I might have gotten, you know, some heat. Oh, no, no. I mean, they were all laid off uh, as soon as you said that. Um, just immediately immediately <laughs> sent uh, pink slips by email, um, fired immediately. Um, I'm all kidding aside. Um, if you can't tell I'm sarcastic, uh, this is not the podcast for you. 
Um, but yeah, so we are coming up on the break. <laughs> we are coming up on the break. Um, time to refill your drink, uh, grab some snacks, do whatever you want. Um, we'll see you on the other side. We have got a huge weekend in college football. I am jacked. I know Brownlee is too. Um, uh, so we will see you on the other side of the Fire Me Up podcast. Fire Me Up. Hello and welcome back into the Fire Me Up podcast. I'm your host, Drew Matthews. Uh, we've got your co-host, Ben Brownlee. Uh, we just finished up talking about the NFL, NBA, NHL, the major major professional sports. Um, we don't really care about... MLS. Ba- yeah, MLS. MLS. Uh, we, we do not care too much for baseball here, so if that offends you, um, call in and... Um, you know, set up some time and state we'll, your case. yeah, state your case. We'll have you on the show. You can talk about baseball and tell me why baseball is it a complete disaster um, in 2020. Uh, but moving on to a real sport, uh, we got college football, baby. College football in the house. <laughs> Let's go, man. America's friggin' game. Um, you want to talk about the most exciting thing that's happened in the pandemic? It is the SEC starting to play football this Saturday. Um, Brownlee, I know you are in Pac-12 country, um, where football doesn't exist right now, uh, but I know you are you are deeply rooted in Texas, and you love Big 12 football, SEC football, Big 10. You, you love watching some college football, so I know you're excited for this. Um, Hell yeah, brother. I mean, how yeah. else can I put it? <laughs> Hell yeah, indeed. Um, so so let's, let's start off in the SEC. I know I'm a little biased because I, I – uh, um, did my master's degree at Alabama, but um, I'm excited. I'm, I I can't. What, what What was your master's degree in, Drew? Did they Did they do anything? Um, it said ma- it, well, it, it said master bloviator. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I uh, I got my master's in marketing from the University of Alabama, and then my um, bachelor's in finance from the University of Kansas, um, a, a favorite university. So essentially, you learned how to uh, you know finance things at KU, and then you went to Alabama and learned how to sell popcorn at the concession stands and market it effectively. Yes, yes. Um, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, was your undergraduate degree in marketing? It was, it was, but it was from the University of Kansas, not the University of Alabama. <laughs> okay. So, um, new coaches in the SEC. That was the first topic I wanted to hit on. Um, I'm, I'm very excited. There's two kind of, you know, not so sexy hires and there's two incredible hires if you ask me. So let, let's start off with, uh, kind of the, the interesting hires. Uh, and we'll start off in the great state of Mississippi. Um, at Ole Miss, uh, we're starting off at Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. Um, he was hired in the offseason, a huge splash hire for Ole Miss. Um, in my opinion, it's a little bit of a gamble, you know. Um, but, especially, well, especially given how their last, uh, you know, two coaches go, how Hugh Freeze got ran out of town. Um, we'll just say that Lane Kiffin's also had his ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Joey, Joey Freshwater, um, if you don't know, is – I'm getting a lot of crickets in the background – are you you're outside? I'm outside, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm outside. Okay. Anyway, so so let me tell this Joey Freshwater. I'm not playing cricket sound effects. Don't worry. I know, I know sometimes you can be a little boring, but this is. A lot. <laughs> right. I'm interested to see what you got to say. I was like, wow, wow, stepping it up with the his own uh, sound effects. Um, yeah, so, I'm in the studio. Uh, I hired some interns, and, and they really hooked me up. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, we've gone completely off the rails here. Um, fire me up. Fire me up, baby. Okay, so so let me tell you this story. So Lane Kiffin, um, he's been the coach of the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, the USC Trojans, um, Florida Atlantic University Owls, and then the um, Oakland Raiders. So he has been a high-profile high coach from a young age, um, really all because of his, his dad, who was a great defensive coordinator for the, the Dallas Cowboys and some other teams, um, Monty Kiffin. So shout out Monty Kiffin. Um, you know, he was good for a while. Yeah, yeah. He, he had a good run in his uh, youth and middle age for sure. Um, so <laughs> I, I do not want to disrespect Monty Kiffin in the slightest. He, he definitely was a good coach, uh, especially in his heyday. But So Lane Kiffin um, ha, has the nickname Joey Freshwater. Do you know why he's, his nickname is Joey Freshwater, Ben? I do not know the story. Please enlighten me. Okay, so... So Lane Kiffin has a history of of kind of kind of going out a little bit too much, going out to the college town bars a little little bit too much, uh, flandering with the women. He is a single man now, so he is divorced, single man. Um, and he was out in Tuscaloosa at a bar. Um, I'm not sure of which bar it was. Otherwise, I will let you know because I've I've pretty much been to them all. Drew <laughs> freshwater over here. My goodness. And. Um, you know, in, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, if you're the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, head coach, you know, or if you're a player, you're very you're very recognizable in town, right? Because you're on TV every week, you're around campus, you've got the gear on, you know, they're getting shots of you on the SEC on CBS, and so so Lane Kiffin's a recognizable guy, right? I mean, he he coached in the NFL, and so a a a woman came up to him at the at the bar and said, "Hey, are, are you Lane Kiffin?" And he said, oh, no, no, no. Um, I get that all the time, though. My name is actually Joey Freshwater. <laughs> and, and they bought it. And so the, the, the legend of Joey Freshwater was born. Um, so so that's, how he, that's how he gets the nickname. You know, if you learn nothing else from this podcast, I hope that story was at least entertaining. Um, I was going to say, I, now I'm starting to think that you got your master's degree in Alabama sport, uh, athletic department gossip. Well, well, I did in a way. I was a uh, graduate assistant track coach at Alabama, so I, I did I did have a little bit of uh, knowledge there in that. Um, roll tide, roll damn tide. But um, anyway, so so Lane Kiffin, do you like that hire? Are you excited? Um, do you think it's a good hire by Ole Miss, or do you think it is just kind of a, a real gamble? I mean, I definitely think it's a real gamble, but that's the reason I'm excited. <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I'm not an Ole Miss fan, so <laughs> I, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen over there. I mean, who knows? They could, uh, you know, have a some UCF magic where, you know, they, they go come out of nowhere, surprise everybody. They could have some Tennessee travesty where they lose all their games and he gets run up town in the middle of the season. Well, well, hold on, hold on. Let, let's set the record here. Let's set the record straight. Uh, Lane Kiffin left Tennessee on his own volition, actually, in the middle of the night. Um, and cause right. Oh, sorry, not in the middle of the season, in the middle of the night. Yeah, I misspoke. Lane, Lane. Well, no, no, no. You, you had it all wrong as usual. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lane Kiffin uh, willingly left Tennessee in the middle of the night, uh, I believe, for the Raiders' job. Um, actually, causing riots on the uh, University of Tennessee Knoxville campus here in the great state of Tennessee. Um, but so he ran out of town before he could get run out of town. Well, yeah, but I, I he had some good things going. He almost beat Nick Saban in Alabama. Um, 
while he was at Tennessee. So uh, he he actually did a good job at Tennessee, in my opinion. He did not do a great job at USC. He did not do a great job at um, the Raiders. Um, he had a good stint at FAU. I think he was kind of a flash in the pan there. Um, but he he led the Vols to a seven and six record at, at Tennessee, which by t- you know, I think the Vols would take seven and six right now if they if they could. I mean, they've been a terrible program. Um, really, ever. Well, I don't want to speak for the Vols, but at KU we take seven and six, so maybe we should have hired uh, Lane Kiffin instead of Les Miles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now granted they've got a little bit more talent at Tennessee, but um, you know he had wins over South Carolina, Georgia, Kentucky, um, but but he did have some bad losses in there. He he did lose to UCLA. He lost to Auburn, which you just can't do. Um, <laughs> And then he did have a blowout loss to Virginia Tech in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Um, so, I mean, he, he did leave in the middle of the night for, um, I'm sorry, he left, he left for Southern California. He left for USC. So he did not leave for the Raiders. So, um, but I'm excited for the hire too. I think it's, yeah, I think it is a gamble, but I think it's going to work out at, at Ole Miss. Um, the only tough thing is, and I'll kind of preface this before we talk about any of the coaches, so we don't have to say it again. You know, I think you and I are in agreement that the SEC West is the toughest division in um, college athletics um, for football, um, just because everybody is held to a standard that is, you know, frankly ridiculous. And you know, if you don't beat Nick Saban, you're on the hot seat, kind of thing, um, which is totally ridiculous, um, if you ask me. But um, you know, it's the toughest division to win, and you know, I think he's going to recruit well. I think, I think he'll have some good wins. He, you know, he might even have a win, you know, over Alabama or, a, you know, an Auburn here or there or an LSU. I think he'll have maybe like a marquee win this year or, or next year, but, um, you know, it, it definitely is a gamble. So moving on, uh, staying in the great state of Mississippi. Um, I'm excited to talk about this one cause you know, I'm a huge fan. I think you're a huge fan too. Am I right? Um, yeah, actually, and, and I'm sorry, this is who I thought you were going to bring up first, uh, is, is our guy Mike Leach, but um, anyway, yeah. yes, very excited. Yes, yes, uh, so we got Mike Leach at Mississippi State, good old Starkville, Mississippi, uh, about 80 miles from the campus of Tuscaloosa, um, which I used to call home. Um, <clears throat> so what do you think of this move, man, leaving Washington State after an incredible Incredible career at Washington State, a school that traditionally never has any football success, and and if they have in the past, it's been real, you know, flash in the pan with Ryan Leaf back in the late '90s, um, mid to late late '90s. There, um, what do you think of this hire? Do you like it? I do. I mean, I think it's a great move for Mississippi State. I think it's a gamble for Mike Leach. Um, you know, like you said, he had it going at Washington State. They loved him there. He turned a program around who had not seen a lot of success. And he made him into a legitimate conference uh, contender every single year. Uh, for maybe not the first year he was there, but the last few years for certain. And so I, I, I mean, you know, I see why he did it. Obviously, he's moving to the premier conference in college football. But at the same time, you know, I, we don't know how this is, this is going to work out. You know, I've, I've got to, I got to say, uh, I'm a believer in Mike Leach. Uh, we're still waiting for him to accept the invitation to join our podcast here and talk about why he made this decision, but. I do think it's a gamble, uh, but at the same time, I mean, if you're Ole Miss, uh, or if you're Mississippi State, excuse me, you know, you're looking for the guy to take you to the next level, and, and if anyone's going to do it, the magician Mike Leach may be the guy. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, it's a great hire for Mississippi State. I know they had a lot of success under Dan Mullen, but he's not there anymore. And if you want to get a program 
that is traditionally not great, kind of off the ground and, and, and get some wins and then, you know, maybe get to a bowl game and then maybe contend for the division. Um, you know, the air raid is kind of the way to do that. You really, you really don't need to have incredible O-line play. You don't need to have incredible recruiting. You need to have a good quarterback, yes, but that's only one position. And and Leach has such a good track record of, of uh, you know, leading the nation in passing with quarterbacks at Wazoo and Texas Tech that, you know, he, he's bound to get good quarterback recruits uh, to, to come to Starkville. Um, but, but I'm with you. I think... I think it is a gamble on his part, really, really is. I mean, he's virtually um, moving to the same school, but in a tougher conference, in a tougher division, where he's got less of a shot to possibly contend for a division title, conference title, national title, if that's well, his I mean, is he just, I mean, the SEC West is so tough. Like, I, I, we've never seen the air raid offense work before in the SEC West. And again, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Mike Leach. But right, it, we don't know... <laughs> It just seems like a tall task. So it, it is. It is, and and maybe he wanted a bigger payday. Maybe that factored into it. Maybe he just kind of wanted to get back more into the into the limelight. Because I know, you know, as as much as Mike Leach demands press with his incredible press conferences, um, you know, being in Pullman, Washington, you are not in the limelight by any means. You're not in Los Angeles. You're not in you know at, you know the great state of Alabama. You're not. You know, at Notre Dame. Are you in the limelight in Starkville, Mississippi, either, though? I, I, and I don't think... No, you're... I mean, come on, man. We know well, Mike Leach. In terms of, he's not the guy looking for the limelight of the press. Well, <laughs> is he? He only, uh, he only entertains the press when he's well, forced to. Well, you're you're not in the limelight, but, but you are in the... You know, you're going to get some good primetime games. You're going to get some night games um, against top competition in the central time zone. You're going to get some of those games, uh, this, um, the SEC on CBS, which is just a classic, classic time slot for the SEC. And, um, you know, he, he is he's definitely more in the limelight, but I, I agree with you. I think it's a total gamble. Um, I hope it pays off. I'm a fan of Mike Leach, um, but I just don't really see him being able to compete for a division title this year or even next year. I think, I think it's going to take a while, um, but, you know, so... I'm excited for it. I love having veteran coaches in the conference that, um, you know, have great press conferences. And, you know, I, I think, you know, between between Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, and Nick Saban, I mean, that's just an incredible lineup in the SEC West there. I, and, you know, not even mentioning the other guys. Um, but we'll, we'll spend some time on the other guys here a little bit too. Not not as much time because we're not as familiar with their, with their work. But um, So we'll shift over to Missouri. I know I, I do not want to talk about Missouri on this podcast for obvious reasons, but we'll go ahead and mention it. Um, they have a, a first, uh, first-time coach in the SEC, Will Drinkwitz, who was the head coach at Appalachian State the past two years, did a great job with them, got some big-time wins there, good record. Um, are you, you know, what do you think Missouri is going to do this year? Do you have any knowledge of them or, you know, can I get a, can I get a good or bad, uh, um, pick from you? Well, I think that this Will Drinkwich guy must not be a very good coach because he chose to coach it at, at Missouri. So, um, again, I think we mentioned it and, uh, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so oddly enough, well, uh, um, Missouri is actually in the SEC East, which is kind of bizarre. So they they are not in the SEC West. So I mean, there, there's a win there for you. I mean, you know, at least you're not having to go up against Alabama, Auburn, A and M, and LSU every year. So you avoided that, but you still have to get through Georgia. You still have to get through Florida. I, I think they're going to have a brutal time this weekend. Their opening game is against Alabama, 
Um, and I, you know, I don't care where they were to play that game. I think Alabama's going to crush them. Um, they just named Mac Jones a starter, who we saw last year has have some good performances um, um, against Auburn and against Michigan in uh, the bowl game. I think they're going to have a really rough time. Um, but you know, if you're if you're Missouri, I think it's a good hire. I mean, he had a great track record at Appalachian State. Um, and I know that's not a premier conference or premier team, but they did defeat some 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 big name teams there. Um, I believe they beat uh, South Carolina and North Carolina while he was there. So you know, it's a good hire by them. Uh, I think they're in good shape. I just think I think it's going to be a rough opening game for him against Alabama and Nick Saban. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then uh, we'll briefly touch our last one. I don't know much about him. His name is Sam Pittman. Um, he was the offensive line coach at Georgia. He'll be he'll be taking the helm at the University of Arkansas, who, if you don't know, has the absolute most brutal schedule I think I've ever heard. Um, and let me run through it here. Let's see, Arkansas football. I mean, I know we kind of. Uh you know, maybe uh, pointed our rear ends at them. I'll just put it nicely in a previous episode here. So I don't, I can't say I have any major uh, hopes or expectations for the Razorback football program this season. <laughs> yeah, regardless so, of who they're playing. So to so put it in perspective, Brownlee, they, I think they're going to be a worse team than KU this year, um, and that's even after. That's impossible if KU wins no games. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, Brownlee, I don't think Arkansas is even even going to be close to winning any game. So let me roll down the schedule. I'll do it quick here, and then we'll move on. So uh, uh, they are playing Georgia. First thing, they're playing Georgia. This weekend. This weekend. Then they got Mississippi State. Then they have Auburn. Then they have Mississippi. Then they've got A&M. Then they've got Tennessee, uh, Florida, LSU, Missouri, and Arkansas. I mean, they drew the – so each team in the SEC is playing two teams from the other division this year. And Arkansas drew the pleasure of having to play Georgia and Florida. I mean, could you ask for a more brutal schedule? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're playing the only two good teams in the East and all the tough teams that we know are in the West. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're screwed. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I'm going to have to go to, like, an, uh, a support program for Arkansas and Kansas football this year. I think, I think it's going to be that bad. The, uh, the number one thing I'm worried about here right now is not – uh, Arkansas Razorbacks, but it's my friends that went to Arkansas that are fans of this podcast and are going to want to get on. I, I, they might not want to get on after this uh, this episode. <laughs> hey, you know what? Well, you know, I'll, I'll tune in on Saturday at three p.m. Watch some Georgia Arkansas football. See if see if they can put up a fight because I, I, you know, I'm not a fan of Georgia. Um, but yeah, brutal year ahead but, for Arkansas. Uh, go dogs, baby. Yep, I, I don't know much about the coach. He's an O line coach, so I like that. You know, O line is the key to to being good in the SEC, especially in the West. Uh, but but they don't even have the luxury of playing uh, Vanderbilt this year. Instead, they draw the luxury of Vanderbilt. Yeah, they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they draw Georgia and Florida. So good luck with that they one. Play Tennessee, though, like you said. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Well, well, Brownlee, Tennessee is a ranked team. Now we just got done. We just got done giving them such a hard time. Well, no, they've had they've had a, a rough uh, rough go of it, but you know they I believe they were eight and eight last year, um, so they're not horrible. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think we've exhausted the Arkansas football talk, and we will not go. We will not. We will not go into any Kansas football this week. We'll save that for next week. So we got two more uh, big items here, and we won't spend too much time on them. Um, 
Let's just get your quick pick. Uh, we got the big matchup between Ole Miss and Florida. We, they, I think, I believe they're going to be a uh, um, on CBS, the CBS matchup this week. Who do you like in Ole Miss, Florida? Ole Miss, man. Really? Got to go with the new coach. Yeah, I, I know I, Florida's number five in the country, or at least whatever poll I'm looking at, they're number five in the country. But uh, you know, I got to go out on a limb here and uh, get excited. This podcast isn't on, isn't based on fact; it's based on hot takes. Yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be rooting for Ole Miss. I. I I, I like Lane Kiffin. I know he's got his problems. I like Lane Kiffin. Uh, Ole Miss has the greatest color scheme uh, since Kansas. And then um, uh, my girlfriend Kelsey, my, my girlfriend Kelsey, her roommate used to uh, work for the Ole Miss football program. So I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon and pick Ole Miss. Um, another new development since we last recorded. Uh, the Big Ten is coming back with football. I'm not sure what dates. I did not look into that as closely. But the... I think they said October 12th. Okay, okay. So so Big Ten football is back. Um, let's go ahead and just pick, uh, you know, let's pick a winner in the East and the West. Uh, well, or the whatever they call it now. I, I think, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, the... dude, I, I, I got to look this up because I don't even remember who's in the East and who's in the West. I know Ohio State and Michigan are in the same division. Um, and then, uh, I mean, that's always the premier one. Yeah, so I, I got Ohio State coming out of the West. Uh, I think that's kind of a no-brainer. But you never know. They may trip up. And then out of the East, actually, I'm, I'm going with Nebraska. Um, I think this is the year Scott Frost gets it done. I think he get, he's he's been dying to play this football season. He's made a big hullabaloo about it, which I believe he should have. Um, they should have always been playing, if you ask me, but we won't get too much into that. Um, yeah, I'll pick Nebraska to win the West and, and face off with Ohio State uh, coming out of the East. Yeah, I'm trying to look again here and figure out who all's in the East. Um, you got Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, Wisconsin. Uh, I thought they were in the West, actually. No? No, Wisconsin's in the... Uh, no, the, yeah, sorry. Wisconsin is in the West. The East is Penn State. Gotcha. The East is Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. Okay, yeah. Michigan State. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, there we go. Yeah, so West is, West is a weak one with Wisconsin... Iowa's always a contender, Nebraska. I'm going with Iowa. Okay, yeah, I like to pick a uh, consistent program, um, established coach. Um, good pick by you. Good job by you. We'll see how that turns out. Um, <laughs> yeah, TBD on if it's a good job by me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so so we're excited for college football. Um, we're wrapping up the podcast here. But before we leave, we always like to leave you with a what made you laugh this week. And, Brantley, um, I've got some audio for mine. So I'm going to let you go first while I queue up my audio. Oh, okay. I mean, actually, well, I have two. They're both on the, a very similar topic, uh, you know, and I touched on it in my NBA update. But i uh, got to, you know, give the Clippers a little bit more of a hard time while I have the opportunity to. Paul George, if you hadn't heard, did not show up in really the playoffs at all. Um, so the first thing I saw was on Instagram, it was sort of a – montage of Paul George's playoff highlights and the first highlight they showed was kind of you know warming you up for the video you're watching him you know get on the court he's got his warm-ups on he's doing some fancy dribbles and you're like okay this might be cool and then across the screen you get some big text that says thanks for watching and then it just ends which pretty much sums up Paul George's performance in the playoffs he showed up and that was about it so that's part one. Part two was another Instagram. Actually, this might have been a TikTok thing that was replayed on Instagram. I personally, I don't have a TikTok. 
Um, I know it's all the rage these days. But uh, anyway, it was a little, someone was, you know, walking through a Walmart or I don't know where they were, but they went, were in the children's toys section, found a little Paul George bobblehead uh, and started zooming in on the fine print of the toy. And all children's toys, you know, they, they have all these warnings in the fine print about like, oh, you know, like keep out of reach of, uh, you know, babies or infants. This is intended for older children. And, you know, there's a choking hazard here. So it zooms in on choking hazard. And you start to think, oh, my gosh, Paul George. He totally <laughs> choked in the playoffs. Oh, man. So we got uh, the Atlanta Falcons and Paul George sitting on the choke bench this week. Um, yes. yes. Chokers of the week. I love it. I love the pick. Um, quick shout out to the Ben Maller show. If you if you've never listened to the Ben Maller show, I encourage you to uh, check it out um, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, the, the Ben Maller show on Fox Sports Radio, great show. I love to listen to it. He's a huge Clippers fan, and he had to wear a uh, a brown bag over his face for an entire uh, broadcast uh, because he he predicted the Clippers would uh, make it to the 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 semifinals. So, um, you know, I, I love the uh, selection there for what made you laugh. Um, so, so what I've got this week is, is special. Um, I think it's hilarious. Um, so we have come up on the 13th anniversary of the, the Mike Gundy, I'm a man, I'm 40 interview. Um, oh, yes. yes. Thank you. So I've got some audio of that here. Um, and if you don't know, so, so, you know, short backstory, basically the papers had been writing something about their starting quarterback. Um, and one of the parents of the players, I believe it was his, the quarterback's parents, brought it to Mike Gundy's attention. So he brings the the newspaper into into his uh, press conference, uh, I believe after a practice or a game, and uh, he's he's got some choice words for the media. Um, and I love anybody who's got some choice words for the media, especially this, especially especially in this day and age. Speak freely, my son. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's go ahead and give it a listen. Drew, I can't hear anything. Oh, boy, I think we're having a problem with the audio. Well, <laughs> we, we know what he says. We know what he says. <laughs> oh, and, this uh, is such a bummer. It's all right. We can, hey, Drew, we'll save it for next week. We know what he says. You know, it's the 40th anniversary plus one week next week. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll give our viewers and listeners the pleasure of checking out some Mike Gundy throwbacks. Yes, that that is a bad that is a bad job by me. The audio was louder earlier. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll play that next week. Um, sorry about those technical difficulties. This is an amateur show. We just do this for fun for our friends to get a good laugh. Um, we like to have guests on and uh, grill them and ask them questions. Um, so thanks for sitting in for another episode of uh, the Fire Me Up podcast. I'm your host, Drew Matthews, uh, and your co-host, Ben Brownlee. Um, we've enjoyed having you in here and we, we hope to see you next week. If you would like to join the show, um, please, send the interns an email. yeah, yeah. Send the interns an email, but, <laughs> uh, but, but in all serious, if you'd like to join the show and, uh, you have a, a topic related to sports, um, we'd love to talk about it. Reach out to Ben Brownlee or I, uh, via email, text, phone call, uh, fax, Skype, um, DMs. We accept DMs. yeah, we accept DMs, snail mail, um, as well. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, reach out to us and come on the show and bloviate about uh, the wide world of sports here. Um, so thanks for having having 
um, having us in this week, and um, we will talk to you next week. Fire me up.